I add my welcome to that of uh, Pastor Boltz. It is a, a joy as the Lord's people to be gathered this day. Today we're looking at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through verse 18. The word of our God. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. A man recently spoke with me about some of his difficulties. He had lost his job, His child has become ill, and his marriage he described as a mess. His days are long. He said he felt, feels at times like throwing in the towel. Perhaps your days are difficult. You may be able to identify with this man, maybe not his exact circumstances, But you may be facing challenges, challenges that may seem surmounting, perhaps even overwhelming. Well, God has given us this passage that we may take heart in our service for Jesus Christ and in living the Christian life, even in difficulty and in the face of adversity. The Apostle Paul here speaks of four realities that enabled him to continue, that will enable us 
to continue by God's grace, whatever we face in this world. And for a few moments, I'd like to reflect and for us to consider these four realities. The first is contained in our opening verse, verse seven, and it's the reality of our frailty. That's right. I said frailty. The apostle Paul to illustrate this uses a very common metaphor that was well known in his day. Uh, Perhaps we are a bit less familiar with this particular uh, illustration or metaphor. He refers to a potter, a potter who takes raw clay and shapes and molds that into a pottery that either could be a, a beautiful painted piece or perhaps it could be a very functional piece. And there are biblical scholars that argue what particular type of pottery, whether it was a lamp, a, a basic simple lamp, because the verse before talks about the light of Christ shines in our heart and we shine forth, or, or perhaps it may have been a more valuable piece of property. But the one thing that is common with all pottery is that it is fragile. It is easily broken. I recall this not so much about pottery, but more about porcelain when my cousin and I were running through our grandmother's home when she warned us to be very careful of her porcelain collection. And one of her figurines hit the pavement, as it were, and shattered. Pottery, porcelain, can be easily broken. The Apostle Paul is speaking, though, something about us in using this illustration. Who we are in terms of our bodies that are frail, especially in light of the reality of the fall. He speaks that we ourselves are frail and weak, that our bodies can become weary and grow frailer and frailer. Uh, A mother recently in our church was uh, sharing some of the challenges that she faced as a a godly Christian mother and wife and the demands of serving and helping her young children. Uh, The exhaustion that sets in, the, the challenge, the the tiredness, the impatience that she can respond to various circumstances with. And she spoke of her looking in the midst of that difficulty, that midst of that physical weakness, coupled with her understanding of her own spiritual need, that she would look increasingly to Christ and found a measure of some help and strength in this battle of living the Christian life as a busy young mother through the strength and grace and power of her Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul here is speaking a similar way that God is using our frailty to draw us closer to him that we might know his power, that we might understand that living the Christian life, that we do not pedal, as it were, only on our own steam. Uh, 
As the Old Testament prophet Zechariah says uh, about Christian ministry and service for God, that it is not by our might or by our power, but by the working of his spirit. And we know that our might is limited and our own ability, our ingenuity, our power comes to an end, sometimes rather quickly. But we have this glorious promise in the word of God, even spoken of in the Old Testament, many promises that speak of God's power for us in the midst of our weakness and frailty. Towards the end of Isaiah 40 is one such promise, that passage that speaks that we, those that wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not weary. They'll walk and they will not faint. But the verse prior to that speaks of how God gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth power is the old uh, King James Version. The teaching of the word of God is that while we are frail, as we come to the one who is mighty and powerful, that he can give us the help and the strength that we need. The scripture speaks of how God delights actually in using those who are weak and frail. Uh, the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, speaking of the, the wisdom of our savior Jesus Christ, talks about how that God chose what is low and despised in this world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being, uh, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Our frailty reminds us of our need of God, that he is the one who is able to do all beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine. And so our frailty, our human weakness, is no barrier to God. This is one of the themes the Apostle Paul is driving home here as he talks about his own weakness momentarily. He knows that God indeed is able to work through his strength. There, there's another aspect of this metaphor of our being jars of clay, as the Apostle Paul speaks of our frailty. Clay jars is where people would store, tend to store their valuables. In a day where there were not safe deposit boxes or other means of securing valuables, people would place their valuables, Monetary money and other valuable jewelry and other things uh, in a jar, sometimes even in a very simple earthen jar that might betray what is inside. Um, so we are those described as earthen vessels in one translation, jars of clay, but with a great treasure. This treasure spoken of here in verse 7, I think looks back even to the previous verse, verse 6, where Paul writes, for God who said, let 
light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is this light of the gospel that has dawned on our own lives, that has transformed us, that has given us new life, birth from above, that we are now in God's family, called by his name. We are indeed his children and have the hope of heaven and the confidence that our sins are forgiven. But the focus here is that of relationship. The end of that verse, verse six, about God's light has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. These are words that speak of relationship. Uh, The way in which the word face is used oftentimes in the Bibles, how Moses tended to have more of a face-to-face fellowship, relationship with the Lord, though he just saw his back, as it were. Um, uh, It is a picture of fellowship, of intimacy, of relationship now with God as we have come to know Jesus and the truth and power of his resurrection. I mean, the redeeming work of our Savior is related to are having a new and restored relationship, friendship, fellowship with God. Jesus in his high priestly prayer, among the various things he prayed, he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Here salvation itself is linked with a living, a real, a dynamic, genuine relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And this phrase, the face of Christ, speaks again of this personal relationship. That is how we can endure as we face difficulties and obstacles, the reality of our own physical frailty and the weakness that comes from the reality of our own sin. Uh, Perhaps this is how God sustained the apostle, though at times maybe he was perhaps tempted to throw in the towel. It's very clear of his faithfulness and that he continued as he knew the reality of his frailty coupled with the power of almighty God. Um, Paul speaks of that, how that he was strengthened in weakness. Um, Later in this book, chapter 12, he writes, uh, my power is made perfect in weakness. So we have, first of all, the the reality of frailty. And secondly, we see here in this next section, verses 8 to 12, the reality of difficulties. We as Christian people, are not to be surprised that we face difficulties. Even as Christians, when we come to faith, we may even encounter more difficulties. There's a common notion, perhaps, in the broader evangelical community that when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, 
all of your problems will, 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 will vanish, will dissipate. And uh, certainly many of our spiritual problems do, are dealt with by the Lord Jesus. But we face difficulties, even new challenges. Recently, a young lady in our church spoke of how she came during COVID time to a a renewed relationship with her Savior, and how that perhaps as a consequence, uh, she life has not been easy. It's been difficult, more difficult, but she's come to see that it was out of the love and kindness of God. The Apostle Paul writes of some of his difficulties here. He says in verse 8, we are afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. We're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our, our mortal bodies. He faced difficulty because of his faith. He even faced opposition. The book of Acts outlines some of the difficulties that Paul did encounter in face. In Acts chapter 20, there was a The Holy Spirit made it clear to the apostle, uh, verse 23, the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. And if you study the book of Acts, starting especially at Acts 20 and following, it describes how that Paul was kidnapped, he was beaten, he was threatened, He was arrested multiple times. He was accused in lawsuits. He was interrogated. He was ridiculed. He was shipwrecked. He was even bitten by a viper. Later in this same book of 2 Corinthians, uh, in in chapter 11, Paul describes uh, these words, his circumstances, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Quite a litany of difficulties that he faced. And we too, as Christian people, maybe we don't face that particular list. We give thanks in God's mercy as we don't, but we each do face difficulties. And as we seek to live for Christ and stand for him in our day, increasingly, it is a day of some difficulty as this world is growing in its opposition to the Lord Jesus and the truth and grace 
of the gospel. Let me press on so we can get these next two realities. So we have the reality of our frailty, the reality of difficulties, and then thirdly, the reality of resurrection in verses 13 to 15. In the midst of all of his adversities, the Apostle Paul has great confidence in the triumph of our Savior, Jesus Christ, of his resurrection, and that through faith we are connected, we are linked with him in his resurrection, that the power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us who believe in terms of giving us new life, but even in living the Christian life here and now. And he makes reference here to uh, Psalm 116, where the psalmist uh, acknowledges the snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold on me, I suffered distress and anguish, then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. And he was delivered from a state close, encompassed by death. And the Apostle Paul is quoting this, speaking of the the confidence that we have of the reality of Christ and of the resurrection, even as God is at work giving him strength so that that strength would overflow and be a blessing to the body of Christ and the spread of the gospel to a world of darkness. His suffering enabled the gospel to advance. And he gives thanks and rejoicing in the Lord for that very thing. Well, let's look at the fourth reality here uh, that he speaks of that he might be buoyed up and continue in his faithful service for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the reality of how God uses sufferings in our lives. Verses 16 through 18. He speaks here of how temporary sufferings prepare us for a life of eternity with God. Now, I've shared this story a previous time in this setting, but I'm, I'm going to do it again because it really, I think it fits. My grandfather loved to whittle wood. He could take a, a stick and see something in it, and he, he could form and fashion it in ways that was just so fascinating to me as his youngest grandson. So I remember he'd whittle out off the back porch and I'd be out there watching him frequently. And he, he, would, he saw one day that I was looking at all the shavings that, were fall, that had fallen. And he said, David, what, what are you doing? Don't, don't look at the shavings that have fallen. Look at what I'm shaping this into. And so often when it comes to adversity, we can put our focus on the shavings that are falling instead of what the Lord Jesus is doing in shaping us, fashioning us 
to become more like Jesus Christ. Indeed, for all eternity, we will be like him. But he's at work now. Certainly, I think we all would acknowledge that we are far from arriving at where God would have us to be. But he's at work using these different difficulties and challenges, using our frailty, using the opposition of others, using the things that overwhelm us, that we might become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he does this through three contrasts at the end of this passage, verses 16 through 18. There is, uh, a, there is the outer self and the inner self, a contrast, a first contrast. Uh, the outer self, referring to the body, is wasting away, but the inner self is being renewed. That God is at work as our bodies are declining, deteriorating, as we're aware of the frailty, that God is at work on the inside, as it were, the inner self, I'll say maybe the new man, uh, that we would be renewed. And perhaps you know of some older godly Christian people who who suffer much. I, along with Pastor Bolt and others, have a, a privilege of, of visiting some of our mature saints where their bodies are declining, but their souls are excelling in a most beautiful, glorious way. There's a second contrast here, and that is a contrast between affliction and glory. When he says affliction, he's referring to the difficulties that we encounter in this world. And these afflictions he's describing here that we face, even the reality of the things that he himself has encountered as light and momentary in contrast to glory, which is weighty and eternal. Now, the Apostle Paul does not speak glibly about the difficulties that he and other people encounter. What uh, This is a, a comparison by exaggeration, as it were, to drive a point home. Certainly, the afflictions that we face do not seem light to us, do they? They don't seem normally, oftentimes they don't seem just momentary, but they seem to endure And it seems to be an arduous thing. But here, the Apostle Paul is comparing what we experience for a a time, a span in this world with eternity that is without end. The glory of being with God and in his presence. Our afflictions here are light in comparison to the glory of, that awaits the people who know Jesus Christ by faith. And that glory is described as something heavy, something weighty. Our afflictions here are very momentary momentary, compared to eternity that is without end. I know 
the Apostle Paul, as he dealt with his afflictions, is providing encouragement and hope here, speaking of the reality of the long, looking at the long view, looking at the eternal perspective of these realities of this world versus what life will be like in the presence of God forever. And the final contrast is that between that which is seen and that which is, remains unseen to us. The seen is transient. The unseen is eternal. The things that we see are passing away. This world and its things will not endure. Uh, This world will endure judgment and fire. Indeed, there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But things will be different. And so the things that are seen are transient. They do not last. But the things that are unseen, the things of faith, the things that uh, Paul has been writing to them about are without end. They are eternal. Certainly we do see our bodies and our bodies will last, but when they last, they won't be like they are now. Uh, They will be uh, no longer frail, but we'll share with Jesus in a glorified body. So he gives these three contrasts that our focus would be upon the Lord, that we would live by faith and that we might know and endure through what we're facing in this world, that we are pilgrims for a time and that we have an eternal home, a great destiny awaiting us. Many of you know of Joni Erickson Tata, the young woman who dove into Chesapeake Bay as a a teenager, a late teenager, and in that one dive became a quadriplegic. Recently, she was reflecting on Jesus' parable of the 10 people who he healed and the one who returned to give thanks And she was reflecting on her own life, how that before her her accident, before she dove into the Chesapeake, she was one who presumed upon the goodness and kindness of God. And her life wasn't filled with thanks and gratitude or, or really even joy. But her entire life changed in that one dive. Obviously, it changed physically, Immediately, uh, it has largely remained unchanged physically, but spiritually, it did take some time, but God reshaped her and is still reshaping her through that adversity. And she came, she spoke of how she came to know him and the sufficiency of his grace, his power that is at work in weakness. And by grace, she now is one who is, by his mercy, thankful and grateful, as she says, most of the time. She's filled with joy. She continues her physical hardship, 
but she longs for that final deliverance in which she will share a glorified body with her Savior, and her soul will enjoy him forever, even as the Lord has begun now. As the Lord strengthened Paul with these four realities, may we too be strengthened that as we're tempted perhaps to toss in the towel when we're facing adversity and hardship, that by his grace we may continue on for his glory, for our own growth, and thereby that it spills over a theme we don't have time to develop to others in this passage. Well, let's pray. Our Father and our God, how glorious and wise are your ways. Your ways are past our own understanding. We rejoice that you are a God who is at work, not bound by our weakness, but at work through it, that we might become more like our great Savior. Fill us with hope. Enable us to live by faith that like those who have proceeded before, that they did not receive all that was promised in this world. We know with confidence the great destiny that is ours through our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his mighty and loving name we pray. Amen.